Coming up today, Pastor Ray Bentley reflects on the integrity and courage of John the Baptist. Do you think that, that Jesus appreciated the ministry of John the Baptist, even though it was only six months and that he didn't perform any miracles? Do you think that bothered him at all or the Father in heaven? No. There are no small roles in heaven. He said, I tell you this, of all the prophets who have gone before him, none is greater than John. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. John the Baptist was a man of strong conviction, not given to compromise, and he's a pivotal part of the New Testament, but his role seems limited. Today, Pastor Ray points out God can do tremendous things with people who are simply available. Although your form of service may seem small, it's making an impact on the kingdom. I remind you tonight that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near, it is close. And the rapture, that glorious mystery, uh, we do not know the day, we do not know the hour, but it is imminent, meaning it could happen at any time. I mean, he left it a mystery for a reason. Number one, uh, I have found that our father really, really does love suspense. Have you found that? He's far more in love with the 11th hour than I have ever been in my whole life. But he is also a very romantic God. Uh, he's a God of romance and he saves the best for last. Uh, he, he, he could come in an hour that you are not expecting or in an hour you're not thinking or at midnight, he could come literally any day. He's not the God of yesterday or tomorrow. He's the God of now. I am. I am. He could come tonight. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to see the Lord, the Lord Jesus face to face? And until we see him, you know, the, the whole last part of a wedding is the buildup and the suspense, and that's where what we're building toward is the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's getting ready for the wedding. You and I are the bride. And does not the bride have to get ready for the wedding? The wedding is coming. Yes, the bride did not know the day or the hour. She happened to know the custom of the Jewish fathers uh, who were the only ones who determined the beginning of the wedding and who had a, a history of waiting until uh, the middle of the night or midnight to wake up their son. Because once the father woke up the young man, he would excitedly get up and he would run get the best man and then the other young men of the party would go find each other through the neighborhood. Then they would go out, didn't matter what time of day or the middle of the night, yelling, screaming and shouting, whooping and hollering as only excited young men can through the night and echoing through the valley. Imagine this uh, small community. And everybody knew when they heard those shouts, it's a wedding. Probably even knew who was getting married 
they didn't know it was going to be tonight, but they probably smiled. as They said, I guess the wedding is starting tonight. From the time they hear the shouts until they arrive, running as fast and furiously as young men can, that's how much time she has to get her dress on and get her makeup on and get ready to be whisked away. So um, how excited is Jesus Christ right now about his bride? What he has borne, the scars in his hands and, and in his feet and his side. He's been sitting faithfully at the right hand of his father and interceding for us. And he, he's got one ear open waiting for the father to say, okay, son, now you can get your bride. And then the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. He's going to shout. And then the voice of the archangel then the trumpet of God. But the first thing you and I will hear for the very first time is the voice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ shouting. And maybe only the believers will hear it and hearing him calling us. And then in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, this mortal shall put on immortality, this corruption put, shall put on incorruption, and we will be with the Lord. So uh, I, I believe that we're, you know, where are we? Well, we are 2,000 years closer to the wedding than they were on the day that Pentecost happened. We're not at the beginning. I don't think we're in the middle. We're, we're right at the very edge of the end. And God is looking for a bride who is excited about the wedding. Uh, I heard a pastor say once, wow, the church sometimes acts like the only bride that, that ever lived that's not excited about her wedding day. I mean, we gotta get excited. Amen? And hungry, hungry for God. Wherever you are, and part of the, one of the things that we're wanting to, th this is what I'm feeling. I'm, I'm praying, I'm watching, I'm listening to the Lord, and, and you know, I've always been watching the events and, and prophecy, and then Israel, and getting involved, and personally, and going there, and ministering, and helping, and making friends, and all of that, I'm watching. But there, there's something else going on in the midst of all these prophetic things and the friendships and the ministries and the, you know, outreaches and evangelism and missions. And, and there's something on an even deeper level. And, and I, you know, sometimes it's hard to put words. I'm going to do the best that I can. That, you know, I've known the Lord since I was 11. So I've walked with the Lord all of this time. Where am I at in my life? Here's where I'm at. I have a deep, uh, deep hunger for God. I, I want more of him. I'm not cruising. I'm not, I haven't arrived. I'm not settling. I'm not satisfied. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean, I, I feel, I hear the Lord saying, son, I want you to go up higher. I want you to go up I have, a, I have more mountain for you to climb, more for you to see, feel, hear, experience, more that I want to download into you, more that I want to open your eyes to, more for your ears to hear, more for your heart to feel, and I want you to give in to that deep hunger inside of you. And do any of you feel that like that too? I figure that you do. And I want to just say this to you, and then we'll get into our study. The gospel is not merely the way 
to heaven. The gospel is a way to God. In other words, the only thing that makes heaven heaven is that God is there. Um, God is not the way to our treasure. God is the treasure. We want God. We want to know him. We want to see him. We want to hear him. We want to sit at his feet. We want to worship him. We want to just glorify the Lord and the living God and through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's open our Bibles to the gospel of Mark chapter 6, verse 14. We're going to cover a lot of verses, but make a few comments. The title of the message, Faith and Miracles. Uh, Beginning in verse 14, we have the, first of all, we got two stories tonight. The story of Jesus uh, feeding uh, the 5,000 and multiplying fish and bread. And that miracle, and we'll talk about that and its application to you and I. But the first story is about uh, the tragedy of what happened to John the Baptist. We read in verse 14, Now King Herod heard of him, for his name had become well known. He's talking about Jesus. And he said, here's what King Herod said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. So Herod is, is worried. He hears a, he, he's already killed John the Baptist. And, and now here comes this, this man doing miracles and signs and wonders. And apparently uh, Herod's conscience is bothering him. And now through Jesus, it just uh, bristles inside of him once again. So Mark is going to uh, share with us the backstory of what happened and why Herod had John the Baptist put to death. It said, others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet, or like one of the prophets. So there's confusion about the identity of Jesus. I explained why, in many ways, Jesus veiled his identity. He didn't want to go fully public because he was waiting for that day, the day, what we call Palm Sunday. uh, and, And that was the day that had been prophesied That was the day that he made the full disclosure. That's the day he fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah, sitting on a colt on the top of the Mount of Olives, and the whole nation could see him. And the reason he waited that long is Jesus knew as soon as he came out and declared that, within days and hours, he would be crucified. So he was waiting. And so there's all these people with various uh, thoughts about who he is. He's the prophet. He's like one of the prophets. But in verse 16, but when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced, And pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. 
And so she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter. Is that gross? Let alone that it is a man of God, a prophet of God, and gave it to the girl, and the girl then gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb and gave him a proper burial. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. We really enjoy hearing when Pastor Ray's teaching and preaching touches lives. Dear Maranatha Chapel, thank you so much for your ministry. I really appreciate Pastor Ray's daily devotions and the online worship. Thank you also for your prayers of protection. God bless each and every one of you and your loved ones. And we thank that listener for those uplifting words. How have Pastor Ray's studies in God's Word each day encouraged you? Would you write him and tell him your story? Send Pastor Ray an email at ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. King Herod, this particular King Herod, this is not Herod the Great who helped rebuild the temple, but when he had died, uh, he, he passed on, his kingdom passed on uh, to three individuals, three partners, two of which were Herod Philip and the other Herod Antipas, which is the one who you know, watched over the territory of Galilee where Jesus was. And Herod Antipas uh, had divorced his wife uh, that he might marry Herodias, the wife of his half-brother, Herod Philip. And this was something that John the Baptist spoke out against. That here was a man claiming to follow the laws of Moses and the commandments of God, and he said, you say you are the king and you are violating these laws of marriage, how dare you? And when Herod uh, you know, heard this, he was, he was troubled and, and he was disturbed, but he didn't do anything about it and he was kind of afraid and he kind of respected John and then the people thought he was a prophet, but he didn't act on it. But Herodias, she determined, she went beyond the political and she personally burned in anger and wanted and plotted a way to get that voice of that man out of my ears and out of my head and embarrassing me publicly in front of the nation. And she knew her husband and knew how to get him and used her daughter to kill a prophet and a man of God. She said, honey, go out, perform a dance and entice. And so the daughter did exactly what her mother said, got exactly what she wanted, up to half my kingdom. He basically says, I, whatever, this pleases me. And so she goes to her mom and mom sets it up and says, I want the head of John the Baptist. And the application that I have here, his conscience was bothering him. You know, uh, if, you're, if you're taking notes tonight, you wanna, might wanna write this down. People are always fighting with their conscience. 
Therefore, let me give you a, a piece of advice to those of you who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not you try to become the conscience of someone else. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the convictor of sin. Now, it was the Spirit of God who spoke through uh, John. And John was a mighty man of God. I think it's also interesting that Herod, you know, he thinks, wow, Jesus must be John. That doesn't even make any sense. Number, for a couple of reasons, John the Baptist and Jesus are very different. First of all, John the Baptist's ministry only lasted about six months. Is that amazing? For as important as he was. His entire life's ministry lasted, they, they believe, about six months. He started a movement to prepare the way for the Messiah. And then finally he pointed to Jesus. So how would you like to have this? Okay, Lord, you're preparing me. What's my ministry? Well, your ministry is going to last six months. Then you're going to point to somebody else. And then you're going to die. That's my will for your life. But that was John the Baptist. The other difference between John the Baptist and Jesus, uh, Jesus performed multitudes of miracles. How many miracles did John the Baptist perform? Zero. None. But before we judge John, what did Jesus say about John? What was his estimate of John? He said, I tell you this, of all the prophets who have gone before him, none is greater than John. None is greater. I mean, there's some, you know, Moses and Elijah and Elisha and all the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, and he goes, sorry, none is greater than this one who cried, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And finally one day, the Lord spoke and said, you know, he said, who is the one Lord? Who is the one? The one whom you baptize and you see the spirit descending in the form of the dove, that is the one you've prepared the way for. And so when John baptized Jesus and he came up and he saw the dove come down and descend upon Jesus, he knew this is the one. And immediately he knew his ministry was over and he pointed to Jesus and a bunch of John's disciples left him and started following the Lord Jesus. So let me ask you, do you think that, that Jesus appreciated the ministry of John the Baptist? Even though it was only, it was short and it was only six months and that he didn't perform any miracles. Do you think that bothered him at all or the Father in heaven? No. There are no small roles in heaven. You know what? I, I, I love this thought. One day, we're going to be before the Lord. There's a great banqueting table, the, the, the marriage feast of the Lamb. We're all going to be there. We all think, oh man, you know, we're going to, all the, the neat people and the spiritual people are up there really close to Jesus, and I'm going to be way in the back, you know, and economy like, you know, the back row. The truth of the matter is, and, and I'm, I'm saying this in a way that I'm trying to paint a picture, but I just know wherever you are seated at that great banquet, you will find out you are actually sitting right next to Jesus Christ. Because though the Lord treats one like his favorite, the, and you feel that and then you, you walk away and he treats the next one like he's the favorite and she's the favorite. The Lord has a way of treating every one of you as if you are the most special person in the universe. Because he has equal love and he has perfect love. There, there's room for all of us. In other words, you do not need to compare yourself with anyone else for your value, your worth, your acceptance before God. And I say that knowing that we all do that. We compare our lives, our calling, our gifts, our, and, we, and we usually put ourselves somewhere, you know, there's people, oh yeah, there's worse people. 
Sure, but there's so many more that are above me. And you sandwich yourself into some mediocre middle little place. That is fleshly thinking, carnal thinking. It is not kingdom thinking. And it really is not even true. You are eternally valuable and extremely precious to God. I say this in the context of the greatest prophet who ever lived, of all who came before, whose ministry lasted not even a year, and who performed zero miracles. And yet Jesus said none was greater than John. And he gave everything. And, and even this, at the end when he gets in prison, uh, and they come to him, he, he says, hey, after he had seen Jesus and the, and the Holy Spirit come in the form of a dove, just like God had shown him, he tells Jesus' disciples, maybe some that have followed him and that he sent to follow Jesus, he said, would you please ask Jesus, are you sure you're the one? So the mighty prophet of God had doubts, even in the final moments. Is that okay? Sure, it's okay. John the Baptist was not perfect. He wasn't the Messiah but he was the, the preparer, he was the forerunner. And even in the, you know, the fact that you and I are not perfect yet, God loves us, he understands us. No one is more gracious to you, more tender, more understanding, more sympathetic, more patient, more merciful than your father who is in heaven. But this queen hated John and wanted to kill him. When the chance came, she took it. I think it's interesting to note, Herod, Herod did not have the courage to obey John's word when John was alive, but now, you know, he made this vow, I'll give you anything, and she goes, I want the head of John the Baptist, and he goes, oh, not that. I'm already, my conscience is killing me while he's alive, what now if I kill him? But because he gave his word, now he has to obey his own word. And the result is Herod killed a prophet. I believe that man did not have a moment's rest or peace, not only the rest of his earthly life, but his, the rest of eternity. Uh, and it's very, very sad. And I, and I put this here if you're taking notes. Here's what Jesus had to say to Herod. If you have a pen or a pencil, are you ready? Here's what Jesus had to say to a man like Herod. Nothing. <laughs> There was a time when later Jesus would come before Herod and, and Herod talked to Jesus, he threatened Jesus, he questioned Jesus and finally said, hey, could you like do a miracle? You did all these things, all these miracles. Could you do a miracle? Jesus didn't say anything. I think that is frightening that Jesus didn't open his mouth and say one word to Herod. That is really, really not good. And it's very, very sad because of Herod's heart had hardened. In a way, Herod was a man, and you know, I say this tonight, uh, for those who are undecided, you're headed in one direction or another. You're either headed to the kingdom of God, or you're literally headed toward hell. Everyone, nobody is static and just kind of, well, I'm just kind of hanging out here and we'll see how it goes. You are moving. The current is either moving one direction or another. And hopefully we're moving toward Jesus, amen? Good insight today from Pastor Ray Bentley. There's a lot to learn from John's courage and from Herod's sinfulness and indecisiveness. Glad you've joined us here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled Faith and Miracles. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you get there, under Media, you'll notice three words, Watch, Radio, and Devo. 
Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his latest book called The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.